All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business. This is Simone Grogan with your Monday afternoon headlines. Deputy Opposition Leader Shane Love has taken the helm of the state nationals just hours after Libby Metham was confirmed as the Liberal Party's new leader. Mr Love, who holds the seat of Moore, has stepped into the role after Mia Davies on Friday said she would resign as Opposition Leader and retire at the next state election. He had previously served as Miss Davies' deputy and was elected unopposed after Roe MP Peter Rundle decided against a leadership tilt. His elevation to the Opposition Alliance's top job came just moments after Miss Metham was similarly elected unopposed to lead the state Liberals. Miss Metham had written to David Honey on Friday to inform him of her challenge. It was her second bid for the party's top job after an abbreviated run in the aftermath of 2021 state elections, which left the party with just two seats of 59 in the lower house. He initially said he would seek to retain his role, however he later retreated, paving the way for Miss Metham to take the job. Despite facing no challenge for the job of party leader, Miss Metham did come up against difficulties as she sought to strip Upper House MP and controversial party power broker Nick Garan of his shadow portfolios. Nominating cost of living, appealing to women and crime as issues she'd like to address as leader, Miss Metham framed today as a reset for the state Liberal Party. Mr Garan faced the brunt of Miss Metham's ire this afternoon with the presence of Peter Collier, another party power broker who has frequently borne blame for the party's worsening electoral fortunes to be addressed by Miss Metham in coming days. Mr Collier appeared to preempt that this afternoon, noting he had refrained from commenting on private text messages published via Seven West Media in 2021, which purported to show his involvement in the Klan. He also said he abided by the party constitution and refrained from commenting on party matters. And in other news, Australian miner Oz Minerals has produced a record amount of copper in the December quarter to meet its 2022 guidance, but is bracing for higher electricity costs. The Adelaide-based company produced 36,307 tonnes of copper in the last quarter, which was up 21% on the September period. The increase in copper production has enabled the company to meet its FY 2022 guidance and expand its guidance for next year to between 120,000 tonnes and 143,000 tonnes. Gold production guidance has been bumped down, however, to between 191,000 tonnes to 213,000 tonnes for the 2023 financial year. The miners' all-in sustaining cost guidance has also been increased due to cost inflation, higher electricity costs and an assumed stronger Australian dollar. And in property news, a developer is planning to upsize an already approved development in Leaderville, potentially adding four storeys onto its proposed apartment block. A joint development assessment panel approved an eight-storey building comprising 52 apartments to be built in Carr Place in March 2020. The project, dubbed Low Carl, is being developed by Claremont-based company Hanrise and managed by Encon with architectural designs by White House. Earlier this month, the project team submitted a new application to build a 12-storey building on the site, estimated to cost $35 million. The new proposed development comprises 76 apartments across the ground to the 11th floor, a community pocket park and a 118-bay car park across the ground, mezzanine, first and second floors. The updated design will be subject to another decision by the JDAP, with the City of Vincent recently releasing the new proposal as part of the community consultation period. And coming up next, Jordan Murray and Matt McKenzie discuss today's leadership changes in the WA Nationals and Liberal Party. The business world is teeming with opportunities to succeed, and every day is a chance for the ambitious to learn, know and grow. Over recent years, we have built the greatest business journalist team in WA. 
delivering you the most trusted, comprehensive, intelligent and up-to-date news across every sector, every platform, every day. No fluff, all informative stuff. At Business News, we believe progress boils down to one simple habit. That is, what you subscribe to today shapes what you will become tomorrow. Subscribe to success. Subscribe to Business News. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash subscribe for more information. Welcome to Act Close of Business. I'm Matt McKenzie. Today, the Liberal Party and the National Party both appointing new leaders. Jordan Murray, you were there at Parliament House. What happened? It all goes back to Friday when Mia Davies, I think, out of the blue announced that she would resign as the Nationals leader and uh, effectively as the state's opposition leader and uh, resign at the next state election. Her reason for that was because there wasn't enough fuel in the tank, and I'm quoting her now, and there seemed to be an echo of uh, what Jacinda Ardern said when she resigned as Prime Minister of New Zealand a few weeks ago. And it all came and went fairly easily. There was a presumption that there would be an election on Monday and that Shane Love would take over as the party leader, given he was the deputy and he was present at Friday's announcement. However, late on Friday, uh, we reported at Business News, and Matt, you reported on this one, that Libby Medham would throw her hat into the ring and challenge David Honey for the Liberal Party's leadership. I think this had been expected for a long time. She'd first made a tilt for the job in 2021 after the state election when it was just her and David Honey left in the lower house of parliament. And over the weekend, there were some headlines, there were some stories about what her leadership might look like. I know Jorn Sidmer, a quite effective member in the upper house, had come out in favour of her taking over the leadership. And I know that she'd been quizzed at a doorstop for Chinese New Year about what she would do about the clan if she were to take over as party leader. Now, the clan being this shadowy uh, group of power brokers who often uh, get mentioned in the media and often get blamed for some of the electoral misfortunes of the Liberal Party in recent state elections. So that brings us to today when the party met. And yes, Libby Medham was elected unopposed as the leader of the state Liberal Party. David Honey said that he would not contest the position despite initially signalling that he would. However, it was not quite as easy as, uh, as I'm making it sound. Yeah, well, because I haven't seen Libby Medham's press conference yet, but I've heard a bit about it. Can you just take us through, she's become leader, she's taken over, she walks out triumphantly in front of the journalists... What happens next? There was some rumblings beforehand that she tried to seek the removal of Nick Garan as party secretary. Now, Nick Garan, for those unaware, is a member of the upper house. Uh, he is the shadow attorney general. He also holds the child protection uh, ministries in opposition. Uh, and I think, generally speaking, is regarded as a strong performer, particularly uh, in estimates hearing and particularly uh, in standing for long periods of time and holding the government to account on some very serious matters. Now, having said that, there is obviously a lot of blame uh, that's directed at him for his purported role in the lay party, uh, particularly south of the river uh, in party branches. And I guess the the assumption is that by removing him, she's trying to signal that she doesn't want his influence within the party anymore, or that she's trying to crack down on the purported influence of the clan. Now, she attempted to remove Mr. Grant as the party secretary, as we understand, and was unsuccessful in doing that. She addressed that today, and she has signalled that she will try to strip him of his shadow portfolios further. Now, there's obvious reasons for that, and I can understand that, but given there's only nine members in the upper house, I do question the wisdom of shrinking the amount of roles that are already stretched uh, to eight people. And also, I think Shadow Attorney General in particular, you need someone with a law degree, which would be in short supply, as I imagine. 
I believe so. I'm not entirely sure who does and doesn't have a law degree within the party itself, uh, but yes, that certainly would limit their options by not having uh, Mr Gran uh, in any position or in any capacity as a shadow minister. Yeah, that's intriguing because uh, from what has been reported and, you know, obviously you can only go on what's been reported and, Jordan, obviously you have conversations with people, but it has been reported that Nick Gran and Peter Collier both supported different candidates which would tell you something about, you know, the alleged clan and how much power that has or whatever else. I find it intriguing the way she played this today in terms of dealing with the clan issue uh, because it was perhaps an opportunity to say, look, there's no force controlling the, the Liberal Party. I'm the leader now and these two people had a disagreement, but that wasn't the approach she took. Now, I was just thinking about this earlier. This appears to be what you might call walking into a trap because there are many people out there telling Libby Metham to smash the clan. Not all of those people are going to be especially concerned whether the Liberal Party is unified or fighting with itself. One of them was Deputy Premier Roger Cook, who certainly wouldn't be concerned, and he was saying that Libby's first responsibility as leader was basically to smash the Klan. I'm not sure it will resolve any of these issues. It might just make it worse, Jordan. Let's take a moment to reflect on on David Honey's leadership, uh, because I think it takes a bit of courage to put your hand up in such dire circumstances as, as he did two years ago. Certainly, and I think he was very graceful today. Uh, he made some comments to the media, and I think he's made a point of saying that this was not a personality clash and that this wasn't some sort of struggle for power. Uh, he stepped aside in what he thought was the best interests of the party, uh, and I think he was definitely up against it over the last uh, two years. Anyone who's leading a party of two people in the Legislative Assembly uh, would be up against it. But certainly, I think you're right. Uh, he's someone who came to the job with uh, a deep business background at Alcoa, uh, he has his PhD from UWA in chemistry, so he's definitely achieved a lot in his personal life. Uh, and today he did say that he wouldn't step down as the state MP for Cottesloe, which I think is understandable. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but I think there's a very real risk of Cottesloe being lost to a Teal Independent, uh, which I think would be the last headache that the party needs right now. Uh, so I think it is very interesting that he's decided to stay on, to not step away. Uh, and I think as well, uh, definitely someone who has... Uh, at least in my personal interactions with him, always been graceful, always been willing to talk to me. Uh, so uh, it'll be good to have him around in Parliament. And certainly when I run into him next, I'll uh, say some nice things to him. Yeah, he's a fascinating guy. We remember um, a couple of years ago we did the profile piece over he took, after he took over yes. as leader, yeah. um, which intriguingly I think was the first in-depth profile piece about David Honey. Mm. Um, and it's amazing, you know, listeners, if you're interested, should go back and have a read of it because he was talking about, you know, his hum very humble background in the bush um, and also his experience in business at Alcoa. He was very compassionate, talking a lot about how we can help people who are disadvantaged. Also, I thought, very forward thinking about the economy and um, the, the risks if the iron ore industry ends or whatever. So actually quite a, um, quite a talented man. Um, but as you say, he was up against it. Um, not even opposition leader, because Mia Davies was opposition leader. He was the leader of the second party there and a bit hamstrung as to... Uh, a bit hamstrung as to what issues he could speak on because his responsibility was energy. He also somehow got welded um, to, to this clan battle, which is intriguing again because, um, as best I know, I mean, from what we've read in that chat window, the clan weren't necessarily that happy when he became the member for Cottesloe. So it's intriguing that since then we've seen him uh, criticised as being linked to the clan. Um, and then I think on another level, a lot of people just, you know, I think it takes a lot of courage to take a role like that in such dire circumstances, but people have almost kind of, 
you know, I feel like he's got a bit of ridicule on social media and in, in some of the media because he's, you know, running a small party and he's almost been disregarded. Um, so very difficult to make traction in those circumstances. Now, Libby Metham uh, is obviously going to be looking at cost of living, trying to get more women on board. Um, did she make any other sort of um, observations about what her strategy would be from here? Certainly those were the main issues that she sought to address today, but the question was asked, are you going to present yourself as the alternative Premier come 2025? And she said that she would, so I guess that that puts paid to any idea that there might be some Campbell Newman-style campaign in the background to recruit a popular Lord Mayor of a capital city to uh, win Liberal pre-selection and lead the party out of the wilderness, but I digress on that one. She's insistent that come 2025, she will be framing herself as the alternative Premier. And that may come up against uh, some issues when the uh, effective opposition, being the Nationals, the larger party of the two, are campaigning with the actual opposition leader who Mm. would notionally be the alternative Premier. Now, today Shane Love did say that they would address some of those issues, or he didn't comment specifically on those issues, but said that he would seek to sit down with Libby Medham. But interestingly, Mia Davies, uh, a couple of weeks ago, had said uh, that everything's up for debate, even the position of opposition leader. So I can imagine that this will be an issue that does uh, get addressed halfway through this term. Yeah, they need to sort that. They really need to sort that because, um, as we, we heard there, I mean, David Honey could hardly get a run in because, effectively, Mia was opposition leader. Well, she's not going to be there anymore. Uh, so we've got Shane Love, who um, obviously is going to have a good go of it, but very, very difficult for someone who's a national to become, almost impossible for someone who's a national to become... Uh, to become premier because they won't be able to get the they won't be the bigger of the two parties if an election is won, and that goes to an in- interesting point, which is that you know the opposition leader is um, yes the leader of the second biggest party or the leader of the second biggest group of parties as I understand it. So the Nationals you know are under no obligation they can they can uh, allow Libby to be the new opposition leader if they if they wish. Who knows what would need to be negotiated in the negotiation to make that work, but. It could happen. Do you think it will happen, Jordan, or is that further away? I think that's further away. I couldn't say for sure, but the only thing I'd say about that is, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, in Queensland, for many state elections, the Liberal Party and the National Party were running three-way contests, and Labor Party kept coming out on top. Yeah, it doesn't help. Obviously, come 2012, they amalgamated. The Liberal National Party ran in that election, won an absolutely massive majority Three years later, lost government, haven't been back in government since, and there are some obvious issues there between having a party that's trying to run in metropolitan seats and is also trying to run in regional seats and appeal to very specific parochial regional issues. So I just have that as a note of caution. You know, it it can seem appealing at this point, especially when uh, there seems to be no future on the horizon, uh, but there certainly are some flaws with that uh, strategy, and again, flaws that I assume both parties have mulled. Uh, extensively in recent years. Yeah, Queensland's a great example because uh, the Nationals obviously merged with the Liberals, as you say, and then we've seen Catter, Pauline Hanson, Palmer. So it's not like people in regional areas just go, oh, all right, I'll vote for the LNP. They're willing to vote for whoever appeals to them. And that's perhaps the the issue of a merger is it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's just going to keep voting for you just because you merge parties. The other interesting thing about a merger for the Liberals is why do you want to do a merger when you have no leverage? Would you want to merge when you are the weaker of the two parties? Wouldn't make any sense. And I suspect that's why there has not been a merger yet, Jordan, but who knows. Looking ahead, so Libby Metham is up against it, but she's got the energy, we think, to give it a red-hot go. Cost of living, appealing to women, that's her strategy. Jordan, I guess we'll see over the next two years if she can be the one to start to make a dent in the state government. 
Yes, we will. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jordan. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.